Hello, my name is Becky Carlson, and I am the Fearless Coach, a platform and podcast talking about some of the toughest issues today in college athletics that realistically very few want to talk about. And this week we are talking about the slow and tragic death of accountability in college athletics. Now, before you think I'm going to be picking on student athletes from the coach's perspective, I want you to remember that attitude reflects leadership and the breakdown of accountability in athletic departments is more crucial than ever because it's supplying this trickle-down effect that doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Our administrations remain miffed and weak, in a sense, on the topic of how to handle conflict within their departments. They're being overrun by fear of being sued or becoming the next headline, and this has absolutely pulverized our ADs and administrators from standing firmly behind the teams of coaches that they themselves hired to coach their athletes. Now, in turn, our coaching population at all levels are becoming more and more lost in how to handle their teams, and we're seeing this growing trend of this passive, unbridled fear of failure that our athletes are suffering from, which is coupled with this perpetual confusion and pushback on how to handle criticism or honest, honest feedback and some of the most valuable lessons in their young adult lives that come with competing and growing through sport. Now, as I've said before, accountability as a core belief for any institution is something that in order for that value to actively live as part of the institution's mission, this all starts from the top down. So let's do that right now. Let's start with the top and work our way down to the bottom of this collective epidemic. So this past week in the news, Bill Self, head coach of Kansas men's basketball, amidst the mountain of NCAA violations and accusations currently residing within his program, decided to make a statement in response to the most recent debacle at KU, which included their Midnight Madness celebration featuring Snoop Dogg. Now, this was a family-friendly event, complete with stripper poles and unedited live performance songs by Snoop himself with recruits from KU sitting in the crowd. And the backlash on this event didn't go so well for Kansas. And uh, AD Jeff Long was the one who responded to the outcry from public critics. Now, if you want to start talking about the death of accountability in athletics, let's start first with Long's public apology, which, quote, I take full responsibility for not thoroughly vetting all the details of the performance and offer my personal apology to those who were offended. We strive to create a family atmosphere at Kansas and fell short of that this evening. <laughs> wow, I don't even think it's possible for Jeff Long as the athletic director of this institution to take any less ownership over what happened than he did by simply making that statement. By the sheer inclusion of the phrase, I offer my personal apology to those who were offended. Basically says, I'm sorry for those who are offended. I mean, I'm the AD and I'm not offended, but hey, sorry if you were. This is the kind of apology a child makes. Not only is KU in hot water for NCAA violations with penalties pending, but Long basically said, sorry, I'm not sorry. And these two dudes, meaning Self and Long, have absolutely zero fear of losing their jobs because there are no consequences. And I want to give you a stat on this. Here's a stat for you in terms of accountability. Self and Long are still employed after their rap sheet just extended another mile. But this year alone, 25 female coaches have been investigated and fired or forced to resign based on retaliation 
by their institutions for their whistleblowing on gender equity within their departments. How's that for accountability at your membership institutions, NCAA? Now, if we want to go to the other side of what a dumpster fire leadership in the athletic departments in the NCAA has become, we can move a little further over into the Midwest at the University of Iowa. If you recall in 2014, Iowa Hawkeye AD Gary Barta lost a massive lawsuit for the university based on gender discrimination, retaliation, and gender bias to the tune of over $6 million when a jury unanimously sided with the field hockey coach Tracy Griesbaum and former SWA Jane Meyer. Now, even after being buried in court, when Barta was asked by the press if he felt he could have done anything differently, listen to what this jackhammer says in response. I won't talk about anything specifically. What I will tell you is that, and obviously I've had a lot of time to think about it over the last couple of years. In principle, I'm very confident with the decisions that we made and that I made. Tactically, I suppose you can always think of things that you could have improved upon um, from a tactical standpoint. But from a principle standpoint, uh, we felt like we made the right decisions, which is why it went to court. Obviously, we ended up with a result that uh, we didn't expect or, or want. Now, we can sit here all day and talk about countless leaders in college athletics where the predominantly old white male rules the majority of NCAA leadership, anywhere from the Larry Nassar scandal where... To this day, even after hundreds of victims have come forward, Michigan State has yet to find anyone who is willing to say that they didn't do the right thing soon enough to stop him. But don't worry, old white male athletic directors and leaders, I'm not just picking on you because yes, women in athletic leadership are failing us miserably too. If I were to tell you that out of the 100 women coaches in my Fearless Coach Network, who have experienced double standard treatment, gender discrimination, sexual harassment, hostile work environment, that 80% of those women were not actually overseen by a direct male superior. They were actually overseen by a direct female superior who actively assisted the department in building a paper trail to get rid of them. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that female athletic administrators are largely responsible for aiding departments in the disappearance of women coaches in athletics. And here's where I'm going to point the finger. Do you hear me, CEO of Women Leaders, Patty Phillips? Through all of your cocktail parties at the Women's Final Four and sponsorship that includes financial wellness partners and selfies with all the NCAA bigwigs, what are you actually doing to address the problem that is very much alive amongst your constituency. You're supposed to be making women leaders, but honestly, what are you doing? Feel free to respond. My email's on my website, or you can give me a call. The women leaders group of female admins actually aren't the only ones. Perhaps you might even be familiar with many organizations with women coaches, and one of those organizations is actually We Coach. This is an organization that's been in charge with supporting female coaches and helping our abysmal percentages to grow when really all our number has done is decline in the last decade. Now, We Coach is an organization made up of all sport coaches across the NCAA, which also houses the NCAA Women Coaches Academy. I myself am a class of 36 graduate. The irony of all of this is, is that despite having the lion's share of female coaches, there is no legitimate legal advocacy fixture anywhere within the organization to help our female coaches who are in dire need of legal support while we are being pushed out daily. 
Do we understand this? Do we know why we coach cannot help them? Because a large chunk of their budget comes directly from the NCAA. How can we expect this organization to make a move when Big Brother is the financier of the whole party? I want you to think about that, female coaches, and I want you to recognize this as much as I want you to recognize that your specific sport organizations are silent on accountability as well, and we coach cannot do this by themselves. How about organizations like the WBCA, or the Women's Basketball Coaches Association? All right, WBCA, where were you for Sylvia Hatchell? Where were you for Heather Macy? Where were you for Michelle Joseph and Akia Stanton and the endless list of female basketball coaches that I don't even have permission to name because they were forced to resign or were fired simply for standing up for themselves? What's the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association doing in softball for their coaches? What's soccer, volleyball, tennis, lacrosse, field hockey doing for any of their coaches on the legal side? The answer is simple. No one is dealing with any of this. And I'll tell you what, if any group was addressing this epidemic, my phone wouldn't be blowing up with coaches asking for help. And my email wouldn't be stuffed with coaches from your sports that have been turned away with no options. So now we've shined a light on the administrative level and accountability for leadership groups and admins, which is giving a stiff arm to all of these issues. So as a result, this accountability issue is trickling down to coaches. And now I'm going to deal with the coaches in the NCAA. Coaches like DJ Durkin at the University of Maryland. You killed your own athlete and almost got your job back with the AD having your back. Mike Leach, football coach at Washington, calls his players fat and lazy, was quoted in the media, and his institution didn't blink, just like they didn't blink at his resume when they hired him after he put an athlete with a concussion in a shed at Texas Tech. The list of coaches doing the wrong thing and not being held accountable are admittedly mostly from football. But I have to tell you, when football screws up and the NCAA brings the hammer down on all of us for their wrongdoing, it means the only ones who suffer consequences are those that the universities really don't care about to begin with. So it only looks on the surface like the NCAA actually cares about student-athlete welfare, even though if they did, there would be far more NCAA football coaches without a job today. So in essence, accountability isn't necessarily dead for all coaches. It's very very much alive and well for those that don't make the university any money on game day. If you're a male coach of a revenue sport, you basically never have to apologize for anything. So this goes from the admin to the coaches right down to the athletes. And this particular death of accountability is a tough one for me because so many coaches across sports at all levels are struggling with not so much how to respond to this epidemic, but whether or not they're even permitted to teach their athletes tough lessons. I'm going to give you an example. Most recently, our program suffered a bad loss. We didn't play well. There were some tough choices on what the team was willing to give up in terms of comfort and conflict in order to succeed. A former player of mine and I were chatting about the situation, and of course, Every class that graduates always thinks the current class has it easier. But she said, Coach, why don't, why don't you just give them the speech you gave us back then and leave them at practice to figure it out for themselves? Or why don't you just eliminate their privileges that they're taking for granted? Eliminate their comfort. Coach, why don't you just put them on the line and make them face one another with their conflict like you used to do to us? She made some fantastic references to some of the methodology I used back in the day. But the answer to her question is actually really simple. I can't do any of those things because... Coaches are no longer allowed to. None of us can. 
And by extension, we are robbing our athletes of the opportunity to face adversity. And no, I'm not talking about coaches who physically or emotionally hurt their athletes with pointless, excessive conditioning and endless verbal attacks. I am talking about the good ones who are sitting in their offices right now trying to fathom how they can express some of the most crucial elements of teamwork and game plan to their athletes without upsetting anyone and making sure that every single person walks away happy. You cannot have both. You cannot give tough lessons and make everyone happy. Some of the most inspiring messages I ever received as an athlete from some of my toughest coaches were lessons that I will never forget. And in that moment, I may have thought they were harsh or unfair, confusing, or even over the top. But as I grew older and realized what they did for me and my team and how we chose to respond, I was proud of those moments. I was proud that I could then recycle those attention-getting stories and speeches to my team in hopes that they would get the message. Times have changed. And instead of moderation and understanding what lessons are real and needed and what is actually unacceptable, we just shove anything difficult or anything that requires context into the student-athlete abuse category. If you are one of these frustrated coaches in the areas of accountability, I have no doubt you have at least one fond memory of that tough speech that although it may have been filled with brutal honesty, you know precisely that proud feeling it evokes that you got the message and that your team appreciated it. I don't want you to forget that Pat Summit forced her players to play in dirty uniforms for practice due to poor effort in a game. My coaches used to lock us out of the locker room when we didn't appreciate our resources. Anson Dorrance at UNC walked out on his players and asked them to decide what kind of team they wanted to be without him present. I wanna play this recording for you. This is the recording of the locker room chat by Anson Dorrance to his players. This was published in the trailer for the piece on UNC women's soccer titled Winning Isn't Everything. Give it a listen. Close that door. Close that door. We've got 30 minutes to sort out how we're going to play. You understand what I'm saying? Coaches are leaving. You guys sort out what the season's going to be for you. Now, after this clip, they cut to an interview where you can hear Anson's player say, you know, that moment in the locker room was where Coach was trying to come up with a way to motivate us. When he walked out of that room and basically was kind of saying, like, you guys can throw the season away right now. If you guys don't figure it out, you guys are done. I think he, he was just searching and trying to find a way to motivate us. She didn't refer to this moment as abusive. She referred to it as motivating. There's this nostalgic recall of that locker room event, and you can just see that player and how she respected him for knowing that there was a bigger picture. One year, I actually did this exact thing. I left my players to their own circle to talk amongst themselves at practice when it was clear that I was just repeating myself and the message was not being absorbed. I left the field completely. The methodology of allowing the team a time to take complete ownership without me worked. If I did this today in 2019, it would be met with an uproar. I would be accused of abandoning the team. It's likely my athletic trainer would report me. I would see this act of inspiration show up all over my end of year evaluations and would have to sit in a room and listen to people who have never coached a college sport in their life tell me why my methodology was damaging and wrong. Today, Pat Summit would be accused of abuse for making her players condition after their game or making them play in the dirty game uniforms. I'm not saying that every outrageous thing every great coach has ever done is acceptable today. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the lack of support 
for the tough lessons in accountability is making it so the best lessons are destined to simply become legends only. I want to say that this generation is different, but they aren't. Initially, no matter what generation, everyone hates the tough message as an athlete. I remember countless times cursing my coach in private spaces with my teammates, basically for holding us accountable, but we didn't shout it out to our parents or seek out administrators to have the coach fired. We worked through it and it was a healthy thing for us as a team. I'm telling you, the difference isn't in the athletes. It's the people surrounding the athletes and the ears interpreting the words of these athletes. It's because parents and administrators are not content with the idea that athletes might be temporarily uncomfortable. Too many cannot fathom shoveling out a tough lesson where the athletes won't feel that gratitude within the first five minutes. The phrase, you'll understand this when you're older or you'll appreciate this more when you're older, makes people too uncomfortable because we want results now and we want action to squash the tough lesson now. We go immediately for penalizing coaches for presenting discomfort to athletes because we, as adults, who are hearing about this, have lost our ability to appreciate the bigger lessons in athletics. This is why you're drained as a coach. And it's why we are all adapting so far in the other direction that we are no longer able to coach as our authentic selves while catering to get the results that our administrations seek rather than what we know to be productive and right. Okay, so I promised you I would show you the way back from all this. If we want to reverse this death of accountability and give life back to athletic, here's some tips for all three categories, because remember, there needs to be change in all three areas, not just one, in order for us to heal and move forward with some ownership over the disgusting mess we have made of college athletics. For administrators, you need to start hiring people that you need, not the ones you want because they look good on paper or because you can afford them the ones that you need. You need to stop assuming that because a coach won several conference championships, that this is the sole measure in determining if they are equipped to be able to handle this generation. If you don't fully invest in understanding the goals of your coaches and how your coaches intend to achieve their goals, then you better be prepared to back them up when a parent or athlete disagrees with their methodology. Otherwise, it's gonna be on you to be investing in training that supports alternatives and fresh ideas to deal with this generation because largely where team culture building is concerned, Coaches are completely on their own. Administrators, you need to do more. You need to go to practices, know your teams, know your coaches. You need to evaluate your coaches and do it fairly. You need to evaluate your female coaches the same way you do your male coaches. You need to stop being threatened by strong women leading their teams. The witch hunts on the female coaching population is on the verge of being exposed, so either you treat your staffs fairly or you join the names included in the next Netflix documentary, I promise you. The days of just checking boxes at the, on the end of the year evaluation to tell your coaches that they were above average with a few measurables must disappear. You actually need to lead and start providing solutions by talking to your coaches about their experiences and what you can do to collectively get ahead of the everyday challenges your coaches are facing with their teams in recruiting, the parents, and with mental health. Those support mechanisms around the coach haven't changed fast enough for institutions to keep up. We're having to do so much more and institutions who are ill-prepared for this with a lack of mental health experts on staff or sports psychologists. Now, coaches, if you're upset by the lack of accountability, you need to start asking the right questions to your departments and do it fast. If you're waiting for something to happen before you find out how your department will react, then this is on you too. Coaches, we're all about game plan and preparation, so we need to get on it. 
This is our bread and butter. What kind of protocol is in place to handle and support me during program conflict? And how much do you support my current coaching style? This needs to be a question you're asking. If you're interviewing for a job, you need to make sure you ask with specific examples how that department handles, documents, and deals with parent and athlete dissatisfaction. You need that information up front. If an athletic department cannot answer theirs or it's a gray area, you need to move on. As for the athletes, this one's the shortest one because I think you're the least to blame in this, but for the athletes, I'm gonna go speak to the parents on this one. The sooner you realize that it will be easier for you to prepare your athlete for the high level of commitment in college athletics with lessons of accountability and adversity, the road will be far less daunting than waiting until your child experiences adverse conditions and you suddenly expect the institution or the coach to change their standards and expectations. That is not the way the real world works. So do your athletes a favor in this whole triad of accountability. Start talking to your athletes about this now. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. And if you have questions or you want to chat about this podcast or anything else, you can contact me on my website, www.thefearlesscoach.org. Until next time, I'm Becky Carlson. Be fearless.